Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain i'm as bad as hell and i'm not going to take this anymore this whole thing is insane this whole thing is insane 300 years ago you'd have been burned at the stake what do all men of power want more power this is now the united states of zombie land this whole thing is insane man is evil capable of nothing but destruction Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? You're such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy Heresies and welcome to the Desert of the Real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it is, it just is. Especially with the latest AV Live. Audio version for thee in this eternal now in Red Pill Cafeteria. The virtual Alexandria hosted Astronosis Speakers Chris Knowles and Steven Snyder to give us a teaser of their presentations. Beyond talking about the upcoming conference, we engage in immersive roundtable discussion on the Archons in their many incarnations and how to exercise them from our damn lives. It was intense and unforgettable and often inspirational. As an update, Support has been great since this last dark march. The audience continues to grow, and at least now, finances are catching up gradually. I am very grateful for those of you who came through. We're getting there. So please support me if you find value in this content. It's not hard to help. For example, you can simply pledge a few dollars a month on my Patreon. It really helps, and I can use all the help, as we all do. For subs, consider an upgrade like the Finding Hermes program, especially as we roll out some new features and rewards later this month. More mind-expanding, reality-dispending content for thee in several formats. The Gnostic Revolution continues in this Philip K. Dick world, Gnostic Times, and Age of Hermes. Other than that, let us to our latest AV Live. Write your own gospel and live your own myth. 
and avoid those archons and mind parasites. The most supreme adaptations are purchased at the cost of inessentials. Our hosts already carry structures for sight, sound, smell, locomotion. It'd be quite redundant to carry those capacities ourselves. So we travel light. No quaint fins, stalks, feathers. It's terminating in hooks, or suckers, or little digits. We've no use for any of it, for we have transcended. <laughs> Have I amused you, Doctor? You are truly self-deluded. You're stalling for time. It's already too late. You really don't see it, do you? See what? You're jealous. Absurd. You have no senses of your own. You have to steal them from others. We have inhabited men for millennia. We have caused great nations to fall. We have shaped You've stolen everything you ever had. You are nothing but a thief and murderer, a parasite. You're pathetic. You're nothing but cancer with a big mouth. I will know every thought in your head in just a few moments. All your memories, your senses, your fear, your suffering. Welcome, everybody, to Aeon Bite. Elvis has left the building, but those Archons have entered them like never before. They really are here, and they are kicking our butts. This is serious. This is not a drill. Uh, this is a Philip K. fucking dick world, but we are the solution. We are indeed. Uh, welcome, everybody. I see everybody in the chat room. Uh, somebody, one of our guests is playing some music in the background. Which one of you guys is that? It sounds like Tiny Tim. Tim uh, I think that's probably me. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go kind of turn the volume down a little bit. <laughs> Maybe it's just uh, the soundtrack of this show. Who knows? Who knows? But anyway, good to see everybody. It's the icons, baby. <laughs> Always the archive. Yeah, I gotta blame Sabotaging our presentation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's always that always goes without always goes without question. Well, again, uh, this show is about uh, talking about astronosis, meet the archons, but it's also to a general show about the archons because again, we offer the solutions. It's more serious than ever. Our guests and. Uh, uh, the co-pilot here have known that uh, things are getting pretty weird and we are at the end of an era. We are at the collapse of an empire. And it's a matter, are you walking out of here with your sanity? Are you walking out of here with your soul? Are you going to offer something of importance to your family? That's really the choices on the table. I don't think there is any turning back. So therefore, it's time to meet the Archons. You are looking in the mirror. You'll find the biggest one of them. At a, the biggest one, you will find Vecna himself. Uh, it is real, and it's uh, and it's again, it's a big threat. But I don't want to get too much into uh, histrionics, even though they are not histrionics. Always good to have Chris knows. Hey, Chris, how you doing? What's up? How are we doing up there? I think Can they're doing me? well. Yeah, we can hear you fine. Yeah, we can okay. hear you fine. Okay. And we also have, we've got Steven Snyder, the recluse himself. How are you doing, Steven? Doing well, sir. How are you doing tonight? 
I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate Chris. And with us, it's always a pleasure to have the Moondog Vance. Vance, how are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Uh, kept pretty busy today with work and the Barcon. Our the little bark. puppy. <laughs> How's he doing? Is he? Uh, is he? Uh, oh, what do you call uh, potty trained yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> So now the, the primordial emanation of the Archon, of the Barkon. Especially when they're teething, my God. That's oh, yeah, he is. Your shoes, random shoes, part of your furniture. Furniture, you name uh, it. It just goes with, it goes with the territory, but they're awesome. They're awesome. Uh, but what are you going to do? So awesome. I see everybody in the chat room already piling in. If you have any questions for us about any high weirdness topic, Please super chat them so we can get to you. There's probably going to be a lot of people in the chat room, so it's easy, easier for us to get to you. You can go as low as a dollar, and we will definitely hear your voice. So uh, before we get started, uh, definitely check out uh, Recluse Work. I think you were recently in uh, Sam's podcast, great podcast. Uh, Stephen, uh, your research is always amazing. You always hit it out of the park. So uh, check out uh, yeah, check out Stephen very much. Check him out. Uh, do you know that <laughs> I've been booked twice for uh, Sam's uh, podcast? Uh, once by Sam himself, the other time by Mark, and they've both blown me off. And I have to laugh because I know how they both are. So I just take it with a grain of salt. But uh, they do a great product and great podcast. But it was like, I wasn't actually even supposed to do that show. And it was like their 66612. Uh, so it was a really big one. And they had um, some psychiatrist or something. It was Colin Ross or somebody like that book for it. Uh, they weren't able to get it, and so Mark was like, oh, we need you know, something like really evil and dark for 666. So I guess after a debate, they were like, well, Recluse is perfect for that. Perfect, yeah. And then it was like, well, first it was first, I was going to record it, I think, like on May 3rd or 4th or something. And then at the last minute, Mark was like, uh, you, can you do it on the 27th, which was like two or three days after I was getting back from like Asheville, North Carolina. So it was like, okay, yeah, dude, I'll, I'll throw that show together in like two or three days for you and it'll be fine don't worry so yeah. fortunately i think it worked out so yeah they've got a chaos about them but it just works out right the message is always out there and it's a, and an amazing podcast and for chris he recently did for his uh behind his paywall truly an amazing three hour bonanza every minute was just excellent on philip k dick uh and brought in Elvis, he brought in David Bowie, of course he brought in Frazier, the the prophetess of our time. So it's everything. I definitely you guys need to check it out. And in fact, uh I actually have a couple of screenshots I wanted to show today from this presentation. I hope you don't mind, Chris. I'm just gonna pretend no Chrome. I don't know what's new on Chrome. All right. Do you guys see that? Oh no. Oh, I see what's going on. You guys see it now? Yes, sir. I just see a Chrome page. You still I see think, a Chrome. Oh, oh we're, I thought we were supposed to see the Chrome page. Okay, so it's something. No, else. no, I'm trying to get a graphic up, but it's not showing up. All right. I had a couple of slides and graphics. Let me take this down for a second. Why am I? The, I'm always the one who has problems with this, but all our guests have no problems. Let's see. Share a screen. Let's try this. The what? <laughs> 
Tecrons. Yeah, the Tecron. No, they're not working. I'm getting everything but the two screens. I might have to play with this. Uh, Chris, you want to talk about uh, your presentation while I play with the Tecrons? <laughs> well, it, it sort of came about because I was some of the work I've been doing on the Deep Pearl Dive, but I was thinking a lot about uh, Lathe of Heaven, which is Ursula Kayla Gwynn's version of a, a Philip K. Dick novel, uh, quite consciously, too. She wrote it thinking of him. And um, <clears throat> so I was looking into that, and it just got me looking at the exegesis again. And I, I just really came to the conclusion that this is all this talk that, you know, he was schizophrenic and he was psychotic and all this kind of stuff. I think that he probably had those kinds of episodes because of amphetamine abuse. But I don't think that he was delusional. I don't think that he was um, out of touch with reality. I think that he was dealing with a reality that he was seeing coming a little further down the road than the rest of us. And I think that he had no real context for it. And that's why he spent, I don't know what, 10,000 pages trying to find precedents for all these kind of things. And I think that there was good work, but you know, when you're dealing with something new, examples from the past can only just be guideposts. And when I really got down to it, I just came to the conclusion that, you know, Phil K. Dick was not insane. He was not delusional. Um, he was receiving a signal. Perhaps he wasn't doing so overly clearly, but maybe it's just, it couldn't be done. I mean, maybe he was receiving it as clearly as, as could be done by anyone. And it's really interesting that he gave that talk in 77 at Mets and everybody was like, oh my God, he's, he's blown his gaskets. He's flipped his lid. <laughs> but it's like, you know, we're all talking about the things that he's talking about, what, 40, six years ago now i mean we're all sort of still talking you know we're talking about the mandela effect we're talking about simulation theory we're talking about alternate universes all these kind of things are like mainstream science now and he just he saw it coming a little further down the road and it just sort of opened everything up for me really um I, one thing that i said repeatedly and i'll, I'll say now at, at the risk of um maybe alienating some of your listeners is that I, I, I mean, I think his science fiction is, is mostly pretty terrible. I think he was a bad writer. I don't think he really got his, his groove on until late in life. And I think he was just, he was just slamming stuff out. Cause you know, probably getting like a penny a word back then. You know what I'm saying? And I, uh, I will concur with you on that, Chris. I mean, I love his seventies books, but I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the stuff that came before the seventies. Oh, it's garbage. <laughs> it's got you know, and it's like the writing is just so wooden and and flat because he, his goal was to you know, I think he said sixty eight pages of, of full text a day, which mm. is just in the typewriter days is just ridiculous. Amphetamine. Um, yeah, and it was it was all the amphetamine. So I think that he did probably have episodes of amphetamine psychosis, and some people have said that he was probably bipolar as well. But he was, I don't think he was delusional. I don't think he was psychotic. I think that, again, the things that were, he was just a little further down the road. And obviously, with a lot of the things that he foresaw in his science fiction. <clears throat> but I talked a lot about Ubik. And uh, I think that Ubik is kind of like the first really, you know, like that's the first 
Philip K. Dick book that I would point to and go, that's a good piece of, you know, that's something worth reading. You know what I mean? And, uh, and of course, it's interesting because I think he's a terrible writer, but two of my favorite books of all time are Ballas and Timothy Archer. So <laughs> <laughs> go <Yeah>. figure. <laughs> the irony, the irony. Yeah, definitely check it out. Okay, I think I got it. Here you go. All right, here's one of the slides that jumped out at me which I had no idea because you've written about Buckley drowning in Memphis, but I had no idea that it was what, I mean, if Elvis was alive or Priscilla's looking out the window, they could have seen Jeff swimming, right? Well, that's the Tennessee welcome center. That's not. Oh, Grace. okay. I thought, I thought that was Graceland because <laughs> you had Elvis Apollo. Not quite. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, no, there's a big statue of Elvis in there posed as Apollo. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, yeah, here it is. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. See, it's the same exact pose. That's called, uh, in art speak, that's called contrapposto. And it's just a certain way of, it's a it's a convention that a lot of uh, classical artists and, you know, the great masters were fond of. Sort of this, you know, arching of the hips and so on. Um, but there you go. Yeah. Elvis. So, yeah, I mean, that's, it. you know, that's a whole series of uh live streams in and of itself yeah 20 years apart they died yeah that's right yeah and then i had to screenshot this today to give a little uh theme for tonight uh chris is really getting he's really getting the groove of on twitter but here's chris writing a question what do you get when you combine gerontocracy Gerontocracy. i'm probably saying it wrong jaron how do you say the other word khaki Cacistocracy. Okay. Yeah. And Mussolini style corporatism. Hey, what we got now, which I think makes a hundred percent sense. So uh sadly. Here we are. Yeah, it is uh again, this is a sad death of an empire. And uh the archons are not being very imaginative and they're trying everything and it's just a complete mess. So what are you going to do? do? Well, that's what we're doing here. So let's talk a little bit about the conference, uh, our work and everything else. Then I'll give a little news on the latest that's going on. We got some uh, kind of big news on what's going on and I'll answer some questions. I guess, uh, Stephen, tell us about your presentation and what you're going to give us a teaser and maybe talk about it in a larger, broader sense if you want. Sure. Well, I mean, I, you know, I haven't actually started writing it yet. So this stuff always seems to kind of like uh, morph when I, you know, get into the process of putting it all down. But I have a pretty good mental conception of like what I wanted to do with it, at least at this point. But I had always been really fascinated uh, by the year 1974. And when I saw that the theme was going to be the Archons, I thought that 74 would be a very appropriate topic for it. Because uh, to my mind, there were three really specific pivotal events in that regard uh, that set off a chain reaction that I think in a lot of ways we're still really having reverberations today. But it was, to me, it was very much a kind of revelation of method type year. Uh, because of these three events. So one of them was the publication of Yuri by uh, Adrina Puharik. 
And this was really the first time that the public at large was sort of introduced to the nine. I mean, obviously they had been sort of hinted at in fiction and what have you, but this was the first time that Puharic really kind of came out and said, you know, this is you know, what we've been kind of communicating with or what we think that it is and what have you. And it's really fascinating, especially in the modern era that, the way that I believe that it was this point in time that he presented them is this sort of super intelligence um, that was hovering in this spaceship spectra over the earth in this computer system and what have you. Uh, it's very fascinating in light of a lot of the later ideology that sort of spun off, I think, from these currents. Um, an interesting one that had occurred to me while Chris was talking actually was the uh, CCRU with Nick Land and Sid Plan and all these people, because again, they sort of had the same conception of this this super consciousness from the future that they deemed a center of AI uh, or something to that effect that was communicating through them from the path from the future to the past. Uh, but anyway, they also did a lot of amphetamines. Um, <laughs> seems to be a reoccurring theme with like a lot of this. I don't know. I mean, I've always been more of an uh, LSD person myself, but I don't know. It seems like a lot of the really nuts stuff comes out of amphetamines. Elvis oh. was a huge amphetamine freak too. Most of his oh life. man, let's. I went through a stage when I was bartending and I abused it for years. But yeah, Elvis was again workaholic, uh, driven, all that kind of stuff. Well, it killed him though with the barbiturates, mm -hmm. you know, and the and the uh, constipation from the barbiturates. Yeah, yeah. but I, I was talking about the amphetamines. Like, look at Rod Serling. Okay, so Rod Serling when he died was younger than me. Right? Really, and when you look at that guy when he was older I and mean, he just looked awful and i mean a lot of that you know sun and california tends to dry you up but um you know amphetamine abuse was just rampant you know particularly for people like that i mean serling said uh you know Next, he dropped he his like what like two-thirds three-fourths of the twilights and there's a lot of twilight zone episodes i mean if you sit back and think about it i mean he cranked out like what 150 160 episodes or something like that in five years i mean something crazy that's definitely yeah. philip k dick amphetamine <laughs> <Yes. laughs> domain but yeah yeah he, he said that if he dropped his pencil he'd be a week behind schedule so oh you know God. i mean it's and, you know, Paul McCartney said something interesting, too, because there were always a lot of theories about that Brian Epstein was murdered and stuff. And and Paul said, you know, there are all these, like, new drugs coming on the market. And nobody knew what they could do. And he said people were just topping themselves accidentally all the time, you know. And uh, so, again, I mean, it's like there was the whole idea of, like, better living through chemistry, which is kind of like an arconic idea, isn't it? But, uh, you know, I mean, it was... Well, also, too, I mean, if you think of another one of the sort of definitive, iconic uh, individuals and events of that whole era, John F. Kennedy, mm. like amphetamines, too. Dr. Dr. Oh, Feelgood. Right. Dr. Feelgood. Yeah, the, it would be uh, methamphetamine and uh, B12 injections right in the yeah. ass. Yeah. Not the way you're thinking. He had a bad back too, right? Uh, JFK. So he probably yeah. started yeah. painkiller. Yeah. In fairness, I mean, yeah, I think he had almost died like three times or something like yeah. that before he'd assumed office. He had definitely had a pretty a whole litany of health problems throughout his life. So in his case, at least I could kind of like understand it. I mean, he does seem to have had some genuine issues, but like yeah, guys like Serling and Dick were just, you know, I mean, doing this stuff, I think partly like Chris is saying, just pop out those words, man. It's insane. 
but also too and and i write this in my upcoming book like elvis and dick and others is they had this terrible blind spot where they said you know street drugs are bad but if the doctor prescribes them you you know it's perfect and they became their own sort of alchemist they thought they were smarter and they were kind of arrogant so they thought they could go to the pharmacist and their doctor and oh well give me a little and work with them and all that and of course it just it bit them in the ass it, it shortened all of their lives so it was this horrible thing and both nixon and i'm sorry both elvis and dick wrote or or supplicated to nixon to stop the world on war on drugs they were being completely hypocritical you know what i mean but uh that yeah blind spot of that generation which uh hopefully oh arguably i mean we haven't gotten over it yeah we have not gotten over it we're just as bad we still think the doctors and the pharmaceuticals are the good guys oh you're Mm -hmm. my god we are screwed (laughs) they just didn't want the prices to get driven up you know by the war on drugs Well, I mean, yeah, obviously Dick had a problem. Elvis, of course, didn't have a problem affording these things. He had a, a retinue of doctors. So, Well, like uh, I was saying before the show, I mean, I, I have myofacial facial pain syndrome, and I've had it, like, since I was a kid, right? And, uh, gosh, I was on everything from Ultram to fentanyl, you know? And, oh, wow. And then everything in between, and then a whole other shit besides. I mean, the doctors just love to load you up because they get paid to write prescriptions they get they get royalties right from the pharmaceutical companies you can go online and find out how much your doctor is getting paid off to put you on certain drugs but um yeah I mean, it's uh they're you know you're not gonna have the same problem with like contamination and everything that you're gonna get with stew drugs but uh uh yeah just as bad <laughs> uh the brain is the brain you know it, it responds to the stimuli in the same regard but, you know, like I was saying before the show, I mean, it's like I was having some pain issues today because the palm's really crazy. And uh, I just took like, I don't know, like 15 milligrams of Delta-8 edibles. Cleared me right up. And stuff, you know, it's just pure magic. But what are you going to do? Delta-8 is THC, by the way, <laughs> in case people don't understand that reference. So anyway. Yeah, I'm trying to do some natural healing. Uh, I've got like a cousin in Reiki. My uncle was Santo Daime, the church. He can do some amazing healing. I mean, you can feel it. So I'm trying to do these techniques and you can file this under find a teacher because I'm doing these esoteric techniques. I've got a bad hip in my right knee and I do it on my hip and I'm like, oh, the pain's going away. I do it on my knee and I just fuck my knee up. It's 10 times worse. Like five minutes later, it... Somehow it brought up all the pain. So now I'm wearing a, a knee brace and I'm like, when you screw with things without the proper uh, tutoring or patronship, they can blow in your face. So my right mm-hmm. knee is messed up. So. You chase the pain archons from your hip to your knee, maybe, you know, <laughs> they run around. <laughs> well, I know when you do like Tonglen Buddhist release, you, you actually bring out the pain. You're, it, you're supposed to increase it and bring it out into the light and then you sort of coax it away or whatever so i got the first part right i just do like uh sit-ups that's sit-ups how i bring yeah that's how i bring the pain out man <laughs> oh you 90s kids you always with your exercising and all that jesus <laughs> all right so chris tell us what you're going to talk about 
He's not going to oh. be uh, pharmaceuticals and health tips. The Knowles health tips. No, it's going to be as close as I'm going to get for now to my grand theory of everything. Uh, and it's something that I've been, you know, I've been talking about uh, on the Patreon. I'm talking about on the blog, talking about, you know, just various things, various aspects of when we try and put it all together. It's It's been a long process, but the whole idea of ultra terrestrial contact, interdimensional, I mean, however you want to put it and what i call mk ultra 3 where we're seeing various government bodies particularly in in universities trying to get people in for these tests for uh ketamine and dmt and so on and um you know i mean when are we going to learn <laughs> you know when are we going to learn that you know the Talking government does not it. have does not have our best interests at heart when uh trying to get us um, to take these compounds. Um, I, I, it's, it's unnerving to me because I've really come to see that that's kind of the gateway, that the way that these entities or forces enter into our world is through us, basically. And, you know, we're the mediums. We are the, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, the stargates, right? We're, 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 the, we're the way that they get into our world. And um, there's a whole history behind this that goes back a very long way. But the thing that really kind of put me on this new path is that somebody on my Patreon has said that um, the, the early Freemasons were really into acacia. And acacia has, you know, certain formulations of certain strains of acacia uh, are very high in DMT. So it's just basically, you know, a, a drug thing. And if you look at the artwork, it is kind of like psychedelic. And I've always thought, I've always thought that about the alchemists. So everybody says, oh, you know, the alchemists were this and, th and they were that and they were doing this and all this kind of stuff. And I think a lot of it was uh, pharmacia. You know what I'm saying? The the old Greek concept of, of sorcery through drugs. I mean, certainly probably was more benign in their regard, but I really come to see, and getting back into the exegesis, the Philip K. Dick exegesis, has kind of clarified this to me, is that we tend to think that things are different, right? That that there's there are these paradigm shifts, and that, and that human nature just like has this sea change to go along with it. And it's a lie, you know? I, and it's something that I really kind of caught into when I did the rock and roll book, uh, the Secret History of Rock and Roll book, even though that book was a very unhappy experience for me. It, it wasn't, my, wasn't my project, it was kind of a commission project. But anyhow, when I went back and read the descriptions of uh, Eleusis and Samothrace and the, 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 the Bacchanalia, I mean, all these ancient mystery celebrations, it was just, it was like rock and roll. And, you know, with like with heavy metal bands, with like literally heavy metal bands, you know, that they, they would call themselves after the Dactyls or the Corabantes or the Cretes. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? They would give themselves all these names, but they, you know, they, it was basically Judas Priest. You know what I mean? They'd come in all dressed up in like full Greek leather armor you know what i'm saying and the helmets and the shields and they'd use them as musical instruments 
And I'm just thinking like nothing is, and they even had pyrotechnics. They would, you know, they had early, I'm not exactly sure what the formulations would be because I don't think they had gunpowder yet. But, you know, they were doing all this kind of stuff with, with pyrotechnics. And, you know, these priestesses would wear these like giant sort of helmets that had all these like horns, you know, these flaming horns and so on that, you know, with the oil and inside the helmet, probably very dangerous. But, um, you know, I, nothing has changed. You know, the externals change and like electricity was kind of a big change for us. But nothing human nature remains and it, it always seems to me that you know you start to see especially if you read too much philip k dick that we are kind of living that that world that he envisioned that you know the time is frozen to, 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 or, or to use one of his book titles t time is out of joint right mm. and you know it's interesting that people are starting to notice this i mean one thing that i've started to notice is just how just quickly the days go by and it's like well you think oh you're getting older and so on and so forth but even my kid, my kids even yeah. notice it. You know, and what it's I mean? always and Thursday, it Chris. It's always Thursday. It's always Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> it is always freaking Thursday. But anyhow, so what I am going to present, and I have, I you know, I have I haven't put it all together yet, but I have all the basic elements in place. Is I just want to sort of present. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You know, what I how I've come to conceive all of this that in many ways is entirely consistent with all these people throughout history, you know, all these groups and mystics and Gnostics and whomever you want to name. I mean, how throughout history they've, you know, we get hung up on the externals, we get hung up on the language. And this is why, in many ways, I, I try to just overcome that. You know, so I'm just getting back to like my whole Zen period, you know, just like let go of naming things and claiming things. Right. And I think that's in many ways the way you can fully come to understand it. But um, I, I just really when I was reading, you know, doing this thing on, on Philip K. Dick, I just was like, you know, I don't, I don't think he's wrong. <laughs> you know, I don't think this whole idea of like, you know, there's some sort of weird temporal shift between like you know, the time of Augustus and the time of today. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm not exactly sure that that is true. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I, anyway, what I'm trying to say is that the thing that I'm really going to hone in on is this whole idea of like how DMT just seems to be the way that this stuff gets into us and, and operates, you know, the archons, so to speak lack of a better term the archons act through us after you know they take possession of us through various methods you know forced and first and foremost of which i believe are these dmt formulations now there's like a whole dmt cult that gets their backup about this you know what i'm saying they get you know it's like oh hey this is mother ayahuasca you're talking about it's like <laughs> Okay, well, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just like, 
you know, it's not a, it's a tool, right? DMT is a tool. I mean, it can be, be used for various purposes, right? And in this case, I think there's been a very long-standing understanding. It sounds a bit uh, redundant, but I think that people have understood for a long time that that these certain compounds summon these these entities. And I think what, what I think there is now is I think there's a mass scale effort to develop hosts for these visitors, you know, um, which sounds, you know, sounds a little crazy, a little sci-fi, a little Phil K. Dick, but I don't know. I just see it. I see people who are just becoming soulless, you know, they, their humanity is just being turned off through social media, through pharmaceuticals, through vaccination, however you want to put it. And they're becoming the perfect vessels for what is really an invasion. Yeah, the flyers of Carlos Castaneda, the Archons, the Ultra Terrestrial. I mean, this has been around, like you say, Chris, for hundreds of years, thousands. The warning has been around. And yeah, the invasion, not the divine invasion, the satanic invasion is in full swing. The diabolic like, I mean, invasion, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you often post pictures of people with their eyes on social <laughs> media and it's like they've lost the not their sanity, their soul, everything. It's it's over. It's over. Yeah. It's endemic. It's really upsetting. It's really disturbing. You know, because I like to think that I'm I'm a very easygoing kind of guy at heart. And I'm very much live and let live kind of guy. But we're just seeing people who just are morphing into something else. They're just becoming something else. They're they're, they're losing their the human essence in my in my estimation yeah what do you think uh, steven did we get all your your teaser for your presentation i hope we didn't interrupt you or anything or do you have oh to... no it's fine it's fine i mean um i'm definitely kind of going down similar roads with chris uh, as i was saying in 74 obviously you know, had the whole thing with cuparic uh, and then there were the two other pivotal events that i was sort of alluding to one is uh something that we've been referencing throughout this and that was uh philip k dick's phallus experience uh, that happened in february of uh, 74 if i recall correctly and and, um, and there was Robert Anton Wilson's whole serious thing, which happened as well. And also, I yeah. think equally important was the, um, what was it, the Halloween uh, get-together he had with Jacques Vallée and, um, mm. oh, the OTO guy or something like that, when he explained to him his whole serious encounter. Often wondered how much that influenced each of the two. But um, Was that Grady McMurtry, Stephen? Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Chris. So... You had these major sort of revelation of the method events in 74, which I think set off a chain reaction of a lot of these other contact experiences. And this wasn't the start of it, as Chris has kind of been saying. I think that there's been this ongoing contact, but I think most especially in Western civilization, at least, uh, it really went into overdrive in the Elizabethan era, uh, which in turn kicked off the Industrial Revolution, uh, which I just think has been 
instrumental in the dehumanization process that we've all gone through. I mean, it really broke the natural cycle of things, of uh, the, you know, the community experience, and it's increasingly had us become more and more untethered, and now we're even moving beyond that. Uh, so it's also basically led to the rise of secularism and materialism. And, you know, I think as Chris has so elegantly written before, uh, you know, this goes into a whole sort of nihilistic and atheistic period, and this is not something new. It's, you know, a sign of a civilization reaching its end period. Right. It's exactly, um, you know, what we're kind of getting at. And then the backdrop of all of this have been these contacts, these different beings. I mean, back in the day, they were angels. And then more recently, it's uh, taken on, I guess, maybe an extraterrestrial personification. But things really picked up uh, going into the Cold War. Uh, as I've tried to sort of get at before, you know, when you look at a lot of this sort of quote unquote mind control stuff, uh, there's really two tracks to it. The one that nobody talks about a lot was really being done with like ARPA and a lot of the early predictive modeling and stuff like that. This is sort of stuff that Kubrick actually gets at very well in 2001 with the HAL uh, AI. Uh, I mean, he asks all these people these redundant questions like, you know, the purpose of the mission when, you know, HAL is the only one on the ship who actually knows the mission. <laughs> what he's doing is he's assessing their personality to see if they're, you know, mentally up to like what they're uh, being commanded to do. And he decides that they're not. And this is all being based on stuff like Project Camelot that was being going on. And, you know, in the uh, in the modern age now, this is all being run by companies like Palantir and Cambridge Analytica and uh, also Google and a lot of these other places. And then conversely, you had the really woo-woo side, which was all of the, you know, the artichoke, the MK Ultra stuff, the mass dosing of LSD, doing this over and over again. And there was just really no reason to continue doing it, at least that's been given publicly. Uh, and, you know, again, I think this was something that Kubrick was getting at throughout, like, a series of films that he did, uh, starting with Dr. Strange, Love, through 2001, and then finally continuing with uh, um, uh, Clockwork, Clockwork Orange. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, this was just a whole era where a lot of this stuff, I think, was coming out, and um, it was being driven by these communications. I mean, I think in a lot of cases, you see these technologies that go hand in hand with the Lucifer's technologies, and, um, you know, they have led to our degradation, effectively. And uh, I think that in the long run, we are being pushed towards... A future that we are being told that is going to be the next step in our evolution or some such shit. And uh, in the reality, it is leading us towards our own extinction. So that's basically what I'm trying to uh, get <laughs> at. Quite, quite literally, too. Quite literally. Yeah, yeah. Well, for everybody, it really is. This is. There is positive things, but of course, as they always yeah, say, there's nothing that's certain at all. And that's, I think, no, the other no. important thing that we need to realize, you know, we have choices here. Yeah. Well, as they say, like in AA, you only you can only make things better once you finally admit you have a problem until we're all honest about what's happening in this culture. We ain't going to find any solutions. And it, it's a it's a it's it's a complex grab bag, like Chris was saying, taking over our minds. For thousands of years, they're trying to open portals at the same time of having complete control over the population. This has been going on since the priests and the king colluded to make sure they had the spirits and the sacrificial meat and all that. And nothing has changed. The power players, it's the same hologram. But uh, 
now we're really ending it. We're coming to an end game, I feel. But there are solutions. And I wanted just to talk a little bit and then we can get back to uh, the problems and the solutions. Let's see if I can get this right here. Not window. I need to. Yes, it worked. Speaking of technology, but uh, we will be having the solutions at the conference. Uh, we will be having the best part is when actually the presentations are awesome. But last year, sitting around and talking to Chris and Steven and everybody else, that's where the real gnosis happens. So we will be having a social at this very cool uh, ranch house in a very nice part, wooded area. The house is haunted, but we're going to have an amazing social that Friday night. So check it out. Uh, this is brand new, and it's going to be a blast. And if you are a vendor or want to promote one of your books, let me know. Uh, for very little, you can, you can reach between the podcast and the show and the conference tens of thousands of people if you want to promote uh, work, book, company, whatever. Here are our amazing guests over here. April DeConnick will be talking about Gnosticism and politics. Richard's going to go psychological, uh, talking about uh, the Archons working as uh, mental structures. Sarah has great ideas when it comes to the Archons as trickster beings. Mitch is going to go with uh, his forte, non-local non intelligence and how the material world is trying to suppress the spiritual world. As always, Chris, he just spoke. He's right here. James True is going to talk some of his new work on, uh, yeah, twins and ancient Egyptian mythology. We got Steven Snyder. Ivan, uh, he couldn't make it tonight. He's probably going to do a mini workshop on the I Ching and how it can help you. Mitch is going to do a mini workshop. We got some other, some vendors bringing a lot of uh, cool material. I'll probably talk about the Archons, but this is our schedule. Things might shift a little, but definitely check it out. Uh, the discussion panel is awesome. Uh, the social after Friday night is awesome. So, yeah, please check it out. As some of you have asked, what about uh, streaming online? Uh, we are meeting with the Theosophical Society Audiovisual uh, the, next week, so we're going to try to figure that one out. But I highly suggest you get there in person. It's going to be unforget unforgettable. And the egregores and the exchange of ideas, that's where the magic really happens. So that's what I have. I don't think I have anything else And about that. If I do, I will remember. Vance, any questions, comments, or from the audience? I haven't seen him. Chester, uh, um, Chester did a super chat, and I don't see a question from him. But I I've got one. Um, oh, here we go. Please define the first two words. <laughs> What's that? What, which oh, words are those? That was Chris, and he's. Uh, oh, he was. Two? He was talking about the um, uh, khaki tokrasi right. and Jeron tokrasi or whatever. Right. What are those? I know the, Geron, the khaki Geron, is a secret. Gerontocracy. Yeah, gerontocracy. Yeah. Ruled yeah. by the old and, guys. Yes. Right and. Yes. And kakiocracy is uh, ruled by the most incompetent you can find. Yes, kakistocracy, right. but not only incompetent, but also corrupt. So uh -uh. kakis is like the worst, right? So it's the the ruled by the worst. And Jaron, of course, is you know old, old, right? Um, we got so, that. Yeah, yeah. So um, Geritol, right? 
<laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, who did they, did they even make that anymore? I've never seen it before. Probably. Uh, I don't see it recently. I don't know. Um, but anyhow, yeah, I, I think that it's it's true, and I think it's becoming increasingly true. But at the same time, I and mean, one of the things that I've noticed, and this is something right up Steve's uh, street here, is all these um, councils that seem to do most of the real uh, governing. And I'm just thinking what I mentioned in, in a tweet today was uh, Council on Formulations and the Atlantic Council, which is one of the newer ones, which is just sort of controlling speech and, and becoming wildly censorious. Another and of one. course, the, the National Security Council from 1947, right? But there are just a number of these uh, councils, President's Council for this and President's Council for this. I mean, all these unelected, and that's sort of like the deep state. You know, that's the that's the actual ruling bodies, and the administration, as we understand them, are just administrators, right? They they carry out, they administer these things. You know, they administer the poisons, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, but I I'm sure there's a lot of them that I'm not thinking of that Stephen could speak to, but it's just it seems that increasingly that this empire and you know what what the, what is it the golden billion or something it's like america and europe and japan and uh, i guess australia and so on but um you know the empire as we understand it you know what i call the five eyes empire you know or bring the watcher symbolism into that is um it seems to be composed by all these bodies these like appendant bodies that make these decisions and are entirely unaccountable to, to the, the voting public or anything like that and um it seems to me that they are almost a model like they, there is i mean the archons are the rulers right that's what the term means and right. it seems that we're kind of it, it almost seems to me like the sort of multi-layered, uh, horizontal, Gnostic model of the universe, right? <laughs> except for it's all these, like these NGOs and these weird councils and these weird, again, these weird bodies that are non-governmental, that are unaccountable, but seem to dictate to Congress uh, and the administration for that matter, you know, what policy will be. And um, this is an imperial model. This is not. This is not the model of a republic. This is the. This is how empires are run. Uh, you know, the king's privy council and things like that. And, can, uh, well, if I can interject, I mean, I, I, I was really blessed to see this firsthand uh, last summer when I went to the uh, the big captive nation week uh, uh, get together that they have in D.C. every I think it's second or third week of July, uh, where the you know Ukrainians have really been the driving faction, specifically the Banderites, the UNB, the uh, really uh, infamous mm. Nazi collaborators. Many of them have to this day a lot of sway over a group called the was a Ukrainian Committee of America or some such shit. They have a 
litany of front organizations. Mm. But anyway, they do this Victims of Communism thing, uh, Memorial Foundation Celebration of Captive Nations. And um, so you go to this thing, right? And it's in this total Greco-Roman getup. And of course, the whole thing is overseen by their version of the goddess Columbia. Uh, I think in this case, they call her Lady Liberty or something. She's modeled off of the uh, variation that they used in Tiananmen Square in and of itself, a major bloodletting ritual. And, you know, you go in here and it's like you've got all these figures from the Atlantic Council on the one hand. You've got all these figures from the Heritage Foundation, the really, uh, you know, right wing group. In fact, Edwin Fulner, the, uh, the founder of the Heritage Foundation, was there. I've gotten to meet Edwin twice in the last two years. It's kind of surreal. Uh, but really, it's the Atlantic Council pushing like a lot of this crap. And these guys are totally hand in glove under these imperial adventures over there. And in fact, um, you know, the one time that I think that they even mentioned the price of gasoline, for instance, and the effect that it was having on the American public, it was a joke to them. I mean, they were like literally sitting there like laughing about us, like concerned about, gosh, can you believe these people out here? They're complaining <laughs> about the price of gas. We're trying to destroy the Russians, damn it. You know, I mean, this is seriously the mentality that these people have. And then at one point, this CIA slash military veteran gets up for this Q&A part, right? And he says, when are we just going to get serious and come out and say it? We need to assassinate Putin. Oh, sure. And there's, you know, a silence that falls over the crowd. And then uh, this one guy speaks up. And he's like, well, you know, it's a compelling ideal. But the only thing is, you know, this is it's already in motion. You know, the time to assassinate Putin was a couple of years ago, but it could have some optics or something to that effect. <laughs> you know, so. um and again, you know, you talk about like kind of predicting the future. I mean, another thing they talked about too at this thing was charging Putin as a war criminal, which has subsequently come to pass, and a lot of other things. And yes, this is exactly, you know, again, for people who think what Chris is saying is far out, this isn't far out. This is literally what happens. These people get together in these sort of events. There's no left, there's no right. They all sit around and talk about this agenda. And it's overseen in these elaborate structures with these freaking, you know, pagan shrines there. The goddess Columbia watches over it as she does every freaking thing in DC. Okay. This is how this is actually done. I had I maybe wouldn't have believed this like 10 years ago, but I've actually sat there and seen it in person. They even brought Madame Zelensky out there as her bloody captive right before she was about to go meet uh, Jill Biden. Mm. Kid you not. Pictures of this with uh, her and Fulner and all these other Atlantic Council poobahs up there. And she looks a little frightened, uh, which she probably <laughs> should, because uh, she, her husband, at least, is probably uh, going to... Um, uh, face martyrdom in the near future. No so. question. No, he's he's got sacrificial lamb written all over his face. And it's it's weird because this is all kind of unfolding right around the dog days. This is like when they brought uh, Madame Zelensky over, and then later on they brought um, her husband over, like right over the uh, the winter solstice. Mm. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Chris, of course, is thinking that's not the goddess Columbia. No, it's not the goddess Columbia. You know, Chris knows exactly what god this is. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I have to see what context it is, but you know, I, I always when I, you hear that and Lady Liberty, I just think Transmithris, right? 
Palace <laughs> Athenia, another uh, variation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Man. you know, it's it's an interesting thing because we we kind of have this high idea that paganism, so to speak, which is a word I, I just I don't like at all because it doesn't really describe anything accurately. But say you know, old Roman pre-Christian religion and so on, uh, or Egyptian or Greek or whomever, um, you know, sort of followed along these lines. And, you know, we sort of impose this model from Christianity that there was like an orthodoxy and everything. And it, it wasn't like that at all. It was just, it, you know, I think that the example that I used with you one time, Miguel, is that it was a pre-crisis dc continuity and this like, <laughs> oh, like yeah, yeah. it's like some real nerd uh you know references for you but it, it really was i mean it's amazing to me that people still believe that you can take that model that you know that we're familiar with through catholicism or or orthodox. I was going to say, isn't it even really more of just kind of a Roman thing? Because Christianity, you know, as we know, it really didn't even exist until the Council of Nicaea, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, there was really a lot of different competing uh, visions of it. Well, the Orthodox, like the Orthodox, well, not the Orthodox Church, because that you know term took on another meaning. But the Catholic Church, as we knew it, sort of came about during that period of time because you had, I mean, this is. And this is right here. <laughs> this is like home base when you talk about Marcion and. Uh, I mean, it kind of other. seems like that was an ongoing obsession with the Romans was to sort of codify like a lot of these religions into sort of an imperial uh, cult or something like that. Or at least that's one of the things I've kind of toyed with over the years. Well, they needed it. You know, they needed a, an imperial cult. They needed sort of everyone to be, you know, because they had people from all over the known world, right? Um, most of the population were slaves. <clears throat> um, the army at, by that point was all Germans. You had, it was, uh, it was less a melting pot than like a powder keg, you know? So you needed sort of this idea to, to bring everybody, you know, marching under one banner. And of course, that never really happened. And, you know, the church split in the 11th century. But the point being is that do we have something like that now? I hear a lot of like uh, conservatives say, oh, well, woke is, you know, uh, we as the, uh, you know, whatever they would call themselves, like conservatives, Christians, whatever, I mean, whatever term they want to use, like, you know, we're like the new Christians. I mean, or sorry, we're like the new pagans, you know, like during like circa Julian the apostate, right? And the woke are the, um, the new Christians. And I, I've always pointed out that it's a terrible example. I, I think the woke of the boga mills, you know what I'm saying? The, or, or, you know, the woke mills, right? Uh, or some sort of like, just, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's just some weird. The ours. Yeah. Yeah. Like some weird explosion of heresy, let's just say in the midst of a, of a sea of orthodoxy. I mean, maybe some of the um, Anabaptist groups yeah. are, are another good example. But, you know, I mean, the woke are not, that's not the next, you know, that's not the successor ideology, the term you see getting thrown a lot. It's, it's just not going to happen because, it, first of all, it's completely artificial. And second of all, it just, it asks too much that goes against nature. So we're going to see 
we're, our backlash is already forming. You know, um, it's going to be very difficult because the the entire corporate structure is sort of invested in, into woke. But I mean, look at how well that worked for Anheuser Busch. So, right. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's a very interesting time. Um, you know, the thing that I that I am concerned about is that there's some sort of extremely authoritarian, archonic ideology coming down the pike that we can't imagine yet, hasn't really taken shape yet, but is going to unite, you know, various groups, the white working class, Hispanics, certain parts of the black community under like a very radical anti-woke banner, okay? And that will be, that's going to be, you know, it almost seems to me like woke is like, it's sort of like Aurelian solar cult, which is just sort of like this little weird thing, <laughs> you know, it's just, you put that in place and, but you know, it, it, it really couldn't stand up to, to the church, right? Because it had no internal coherence. And certainly woke, wokeness doesn't matter. But I mean, wokeness is absolutely arconic. But the one thing that mistake that a lot of people make, you know, particularly people in the quote unquote truther um, community, <clears throat> is not taking into account factionalism. You know, they, they think that everyone is sort of marching under this one banner, like the elites are all just all on the same page. You know, all evidence to the contrary, right? And I think that whenever you get concentrations of power, you almost immediately see schism and internecine battling, you know, because everybody wants to be at the top, you know what I'm saying? And maybe this whole, you know, we're talking about like the Atlantic Council, this very archonic imperial uh, King's Privy Council model that we're seeing in this new empire, right? This new iteration of the empire, uh, Maybe that's meant to sort of um, balance that out. I'm not exactly sure, but well, um, I mean, it's I mean, it's kind of fascinating that context because really, you know, I mean, a big rival of that, you know, whole sort of group is the whole PayPal mafia milieu with Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, and Thiel's kind of fascinating with what you were getting at before because he's actually been a big backer of uh, the ketamine uh, therapy and a lot of this kind of stuff too. In fact, I think he owns most of the ketamine therapy labs across the country covertly through a lot of different groups. So, uh, you know, despite the reputation the guy has, I mean, he's really pushed a lot of this kind of stuff in recent years. Cryonics now, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the flip side of the coin with Palantir, I mean, he's doing a lot of the hard, you know, kind of predictive modeling, personality profiling, I mean, all that other kind of stuff, too. So, I mean, he's a guy who's really at the forefront, I think, of just this assault on consciousness. And in a lot of ways, it's much more sophisticated. I mean, it probably goes without, I mean, it would be difficult to not be more sophisticated than what we're seeing from the um the brain trust behind the biden administration dear god but um <laughs> you know but yes 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 i mean there's there's definitely other elites out there i mean who are opposed to this who have uh, i think maybe some more uh, sophisticated methods that they're working on with this certainly you know that's what i'm saying it's you know factionalism i mean ruling classes have always been divided against themselves right and it's usually only when they're in sort of this period of struggle, say the Roman Republic and their rivals to power. And like really what, I mean, the, the, 
the, I don't want to say the kiss of death, but the, the keys to Rome's undoing was just its hegemony. You know, when it became hegemonic throughout the entire Mediterranean, I mean, that just leads to complacency, to entitlement, to decadence, degeneracy, and Rome fell into all those traps. You know what I'm saying? And it could be, you know, getting back when you're talking about that captive nations archonic, <laughs> you know, uh, conglomeration there. Um, you know, is this idea that we saw where, you know, the Iron Mountain kind of ideal, right? Where, you know, we need to be at war all the time. We need to be fighting. You know, we need struggle. Struggle gives life meaning. Struggle, you know, the the, uh, the Zorg speech in uh, Fifth Element, um, <laughs> you know, right? You know what I'm saying? So um, I, I am one of the people, and this probably won't shock anyone, who thinks that the report from Iron Mountain was actually a real, real position paper. And the difference might be is that I've actually read it. I think a lot of the people who, I mean, nobody talks about it anymore, but the people I think that were sort of saying that denying that this was a real thing were the people who didn't read it. You know, I mean, it's like Arthur Schlesinger thought it was a real position paper. I mean, Lyndon B. Johnson did. I mean, a number of people, and it, you know, I think it just got to be like, it was just being circulated too much. So they got some some guy to come up and say, Oh, I, I did that. You know, I was just kidding guys. You know, it's just, a, it's all just a big joke. You know I mean? It's like, you know, I don't want to, you know, create this world where everybody's uh, fighting and so on and so forth. But um, I, it seems to me the operant model. Um, the, the problem is, is that that kind of Nietzschean Ayn Rand sort of will to power idea is probably more effective with a younger nation than an older nation. I and mean, we, we are the, what they call in the business world, a maturing enterprise. You know, uh, we are a maturing business, let's just say. And you can't do the same kind of things, you know, when you had uh, this huge cohort of, of young people. Um, you know, I mean, aging, I, the, the average age, it just is just increasing every year all across the world. And, you know, the, the a gerontocracy in that regard is, is inevitable. And there you have it. Chris and Stephen continue their unparalleled research and insights in our second part. Doesn't get better than this. Please support this Red Pill Cafeteria for the second part, or if you find any value in the content. There are many ways to sub and many ways to support, and one will fit your needs or budget. If you need any help with any of these choices, just let me know. The alternative solution of the Gnostics is more critical than ever in this Philip K. Dick world and Gnostic times. But this is our time to shine like crazy diamonds. We high priests and priestesses of Hermes, the god of thieves, and Sophia, the goddess of smugglers. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 